Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to this week's episode of Liberty. I am your host, Caleb Franz. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. I'm thrilled to have you here this week. This week, we have a guest who really needs no introduction. Um, as we continue our summer inter- interview series, we are pleased to welcome Austin Peterson onto the program. Um, Austin is a former Libertarian candidate for President of the United States and a current Republican candidate uh, for United States Senate in the state of Missouri. Um, he and I discuss a wide range of topics and issues as we always do with our guests, but this is this is a, a very interesting episode because I believe this is the first um, show that I have had with a politician on officially now. Um, and, uh, of course, we, we discussed some of the issues uh, of his candidacy and the issues of the day, as well as diving into a little bit more of his personal background and a side that I think, really, um, I think a lot of you may be surprised, pleasantly surprised, but surprised nonetheless to hear um, some of his answers and responses to. Uh, we, we cover immigration, we cover uh, taxes, and, and some of those things, obviously, I, I don't think you'll be too surprised about, but um, all in all, I, I am thoroughly impressed and, uh, and pleased with this interview, and uh, I, I hope that you will, will go check him out, and uh, he's, he's somebody who I believe in, and I hope, that, I hope that he does well in his campaign, and I wish him well, and I hope that he succeeds and and obtaining his Senate seat. But for right now, I just want you to sit back and make that decision for yourself on whether whether or not um, he's somebody you should uh, support or not. And we're providing that opportunity to you. So without further ado, I'm not going to talk for too much longer now. Um, please sit back and enjoy my interview with Austin Peterson. All right, Austin, thank you for joining us here on My Liberty. Welcome. Thanks for having me on. Um, Austin, I want to start out... Uh, first of all, by I, I just want you to tell the audience your story from uh, the time that you know you were just a boy and and peculiar to uh, <laughs> to eventually a libertarian nominee and then uh, not nominee, but uh, now a a U.S. Senate candidate. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I started. Uh, I grew up in on a farm. Uh, I was born in Independence and raised in Peculiar um, and on a horse farm. And uh, I have always believed in liberty. I've always believed in the individualism and the idea that you own your life and you own your body and you know, be able to do with it as you please. I was raised in a, a conservative household, but we weren't uh, we weren't the type to kind of. Um, you know, really judge other people's lifestyles. So I would say a very libertarian sort of culture that I was raised in, you know, and, and being on a farm, we valued hard work and, and rely, self-reliance and um, independence. And and so uh, when I, you know, got older and I started reading um, some political philosophy, I think it started with Ayn Rand. And then, um, <clears throat> of course, my, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Atlas Shrugged, absolutely. And, um, you know, the con concept of, of the ego and and um, again I, I just always believe that people should be free to, to do as they please because I believe that uh, allows for the most amount of flourishing and uh, human flourishing and um, and so when Ron Paul ran for president in 2007 I saw him in the debates and he made a huge impression on me so I started volunteering and well it was all downhill from there um, so tell me why uh 
what made you you switch from the Libertarian Party to the GOP? Well, um, I sat down and uh, I uh, I called thousands of people. I, I made around four thousand phone calls and uh, spoke to my people and really just kind of you know asked for their blessing in a sense because you know I, I asked them all should I run? They said yes. And when I said um, you know what party should I run under? You know, ninety eight percent or more said run as a Republican because they want liberty not in our lifetime. They want it tonight. They want it now. They want you know liberty by sunset. Mm-hmm. Um, so has so far in your campaign, which has done incredibly successful so far, um, would you say that the GOP has been more welcoming to these ideas and to your uh, candidacy uh, than the LP was when you ran for president? Well, the people are right. The the people mm-hmm. like it. I mean, I mean, the people who you know self-identify as Republicans or conservatives in Missouri are very supportive because they care about the ideas. The the, the party itself, um, you know, I've run into a few people here and there, and and you, they have self-interest, right? They they want um, they the, these are people who if if they're not making money off of a campaign, then they don't support you, you know, mm-hmm. in some right. ways. So so they're going to be either be you know a partisan. They're going to be you know for whichever candidate is going to give them a job or whoever is going to, you know, win or, you know, beat McCaskill. So, you know, they're either self-interested or they have some other motive. Right. And, um, and so, you know, it's, it's challenging of course, to, to break into a new party and especially to run for such high office as a new party member. But, um, it's, it's worth a shot because, uh, at, at the end, uh, if I win, then I'm going to do my bit, my country a very big favor by replacing a progressive Democrat with a very libertarian, Republican. Um, so define exactly what it what liberty means to you uh, for the audience. Uh, it means the it's the it's about the concept of uh, individualism and self ownership. Like I said before, I like just like to say that the concept that you own your life and you own your body and you ought to be able to do it as you please uh, without harming anyone else, without any any unnecessary restraint. Mm-hmm. Um, so how how do you think you're going to be able to balance that? Um, say you win and and you get into the senate and you find a lot of you know a lot of gridlock uh, obviously um how how do you balance the 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 principles with the practicality it's a good question um i would say that uh, it depend on where my allies come from um and i it will probably have to be on an issue per issue basis mm-hmm. um coalition building get, you know, but parties are, are really secondary to me. They always have been. Issues are what matter. So uh, what I'll have to do is is to get a the sort of lay of the land ideological analysis of whoever my um, friends and allies will be. Because you know, of course, the you know there will be new people who will be elected, and all, some people will be booted out. Um, so at the time, I'll I'll have to say. You know who who are you know who's with me on this issue who's issue with me on that issue and I don't care what party you are if if you're for limited government on an issue whether it's a personal issue or a fiscal issue then then you know let's work together on that issue. Um, so let's talk about some of those issues then. Um, I would like to start out with immigration because it seems like uh, oh, his, <laughs> just started off right off the bat. Um, it seems like the Republican Party has gone much more populist in this area, and you aren't as as much on the closed border train as much as a lot of other people in the party. Uh, first mm-hmm. of all, how ha- has that been like any sort of an issue so far in your campaign? Um, sure, and, sure. And second of all, um, what would you do uh, as a senator to to try to work to to reform the immigration process. 
Um, well, you, you know, Milton Friedman says you can't have open borders in a welfare state, but uh, if that's true, then the welfare state is the problem. Uh, and a, a massive wall, uh, which I, actually Donald Trump just admitted was, I think just yesterday he said it was just for looks. I mean, don't, you, know, you know, don't call me Lion Ted here. <laughs> no, it's just not how we solve this problem. I mean, again, I don't want people, I don't want illegal immigrants. I don't. Um, I want people to, to come here legally. I, I absolutely do. But the, the system of legality is the problem because we're incentivizing. It's all about the incentives. Econom all economics boils down to incentives. And if you, if you give people incentives to obey the law, then you know you're going to cut down on illegal immigration, and um, you know how we do that. I think has to be a, there does have to be a vetting process because you know it's even in the most anarcho-capitalist society, you know people have the right of freedom of association, uh, and and freedom of association would mean that if you have typhoid or you have some sort of communicable disease, I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect that people would say, "I'm sorry, but you know you cannot come into this 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 area, this zone, because you know." You, you, you would violate, you know, if you're a big believer in the non-aggression principle, then, you know, you would be violating someone else's, you know, their, their, their nap, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to violate their nap. Um, so there has to be some sort of, of uh, method to, to vet people who come in. But um, the, 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 the way to do that, I think, is to, is to actually eliminate a lot of the redundancy that we have. The Department of Homeland Security is sort of, incent it, 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 you know, with its multiple layers of bureaucracy is, is, is a problem. And I'd like to see something like what my ancestors did. It was in Ellis Island, um, the time of Ellis Island, right? You'd have a, you had a strict security check, you had a strict disease check, and then you began the process of naturalization. But let's be honest, Caleb, let's be honest. I mean, what people are pushing for today is a total end to immigration. They're saying closed borders forever, no one, no more immigrants. I've heard them say this, I've said this at their time, and it's like, you know, I'm thinking about not just the Petersons that came through, through the Ellis Island, my ancestors, I'm thinking about my descendants, you know, like people who may... You know, go live in another country and their ancestor, you know, and their kids are born there and then they want to come back to the United States. My, you know, my future, you know, descendants, you just never know how people migrate and their patterns, what they are. And, and the problem, of course, is that we have central planning in a sense. Uh, and we were sort of giving into into central planning because I believe that a free market in labor is just as effective as a free market in commodities. Um, and, you know, it's really none of the business, the government's business, who business employers hire. I really just sick to death of people who call themselves free market, you know, or call themselves conservatives, but say, oh, no, the government needs to force business owners to uh, to comply with the federal, reg you know, to comply with these regulations and enforce the law. It's not the business owners. It's not the business owners. Um, job to enforce laws. It's not. It's not. It's the government's job to enforce laws. But we're, in a sense, we're forcefully deputizing business owners to get involved in that. And, you know, you, you can call yourself free market or conservative all day long, but if you're trying to force business owners to, um, uh, to, to come, you know, to uphold the law, well, I'm sorry, that's just not, uh, that's not the, uh, that's not the kind of society I want to live in. Um, so, with playing devil's advocate here, uh, if, you you said that you know let's let's just have this kind of system that we had like the Ellis Island type of system, but um, isn't it just different today where we just have too many people trying to get in? That's what they always say, right? That's what the status always say. Is like, sure. oh yeah, freedom may have worked. I mean, freedom may have worked back then, you know, but now we need a huge war on drugs. You know, people <laughs> used to be people used to be moral. You know, let's let's you know. All these kids nowadays, they're so immoral and we have to criminalize their behavior because they're taking the dank marijuanas and injecting them and now they're turning gay and it's just... It 
it's it's ridiculous. Um, it's you know, there's always been a the libido dominandi. Um, that's what uh, you know the Latin term for the lust to dominate. Um, it's a very powerful force in the United States, and uh, it's it's very few of us who really are the sort of like you know peace. It's, it sounds like kind of hippie-ish, but a peace love you know you know say it on my business kind of people. But nowadays, it's very much there's an authoritarian streak, and if you think that that is just because the politicians, you are dead wrong. Um, because the politicians are the people too. They come from the people. They're not some, you know, they're not lizard people, right? They're not reptilians. They are, they are, they, you know, we get the politicians that we elect. Um, we're voting for these people. Um, so in some sense, we have to change the culture as well. Um, what about in uh, areas of gun rights? It, right now, there seems to be like a micro debate between constitutional carry and national reciprocity. What area do you lean more in favor toward, and uh, would you push for that in the Senate? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to spend gun rights any way I can get it. I mean, I'd love to get, uh, um, I'd, you know, like to repeal the National Firearms Act entirely, get rid of the Brady Bill, and, you know, the, what we, you know, we have an assault weapons ban, right? You can't, uh, you can't purchase, um, you know, fully automatic guns, and, you know, then I think 1986 was the cutoff, and now it costs you like $20,000 to buy a real AK-47, which, you know, I'm sure moms against gun control is going to listen to this and they're going to be like, oh, my God, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous because then, you, again, what you're doing is you're incentivized people to break the law because if, because the criminals, they're, they're going to go get one on the black market. They don't care. And the rest of us, if we, you know, if we're ever in trouble and we need it, then, you know, we're not going to have access to it. I mean, people are like, well, what do you need an assault rifle for? Why do you ever need an assault rifle? Well, you need an assault rifle if you're ever under assault. Right. Um, and, and. And quite frankly, I just, you know, I, I thought that the Constitution was fairly clear when it said, uh, shall not be infringed. Um, so I'm as hardcore pro-gun as you can get. So all of those conservatives that I just lost in the immigration debate, I hope, hope I just you got back. You won back in the, in the gun argument. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's keep the conservative support going then and, and, <laughs> uh, and talk about my favorite subject. And I think it's a, it's a topic that you like as well. Um, and uh, on taxation. Um, yes. So if you if you become a senator, how do you propose to make taxation theft again? I would say, I mean, I would, you know, if uh, I'd love to just introduce a bill to abolish the IRS. Um, you know, I'll put it out there. Start. I think prob- I may have like two co-sponsors, but that's OK. Um, I would say that, uh, you know, if we're going to reduce the amount of theft that we have and now the anarchists are mad at me, um, you know, no, because no theft is OK. I would say that, um, you know, we need to go towards, I, I don't want to replace this tax with that tax, right? A lot of people are like, well, let's just get a national sales tax. And I'm just like, yeah, but there's problems with that because then you've got multiple points of sale for things like computers and that would drive up prices on a lot of goods. And they're like, oh, but there's all these exemptions and there's all these different ways to tweak this and tweak that. And I'm like, the more complicated it becomes, the more easy it is to for there to be graft and for there to be corruption. I mean, a simple flat tax, I think, would actually get more revenue in, in the long run, because, you know, more people would actually understand how to pay their taxes. And you could have, you know, if you had a simple flat, no exemptions, everybody just pays the same flat rate, um, then it, it, you'd turn tax season into tax two minutes. So I, I like the concept of a flat tax. You know, Rand Paul championed that during his presidential campaign. Simple flat tax across the board, you know, cut the 
corporate income, the corporate tax down, you know, from I think the highest in the in the um, <clears throat> in the civilized world and and uh, the developed world. And you know, let's let's get to back what, back to what we should be like, land of the free, you know, like home of the brave, like able to keep the fruits of your labor. So um, you know, I'm just going to be. I'm not. I'm not going to re- repeal and replace. I'm just going to start repealing and cutting and slicing and. Jet. I'm going to do. You know, because my my goal is to limit the size of this government, right? So right. taxes taxes are one thing, but spending is really where it's at. We got to cut right. spending, and I'm not. T- I'm not talking about cutting. You know increases in growth i'm talking about actual overall cuts um and i just i gosh i really want to win so bad caleb because i just want to be i want to be so i want to stand right up to elizabeth warren and bernie sanders and chuck schumer i mean just let me i hope missouri lets me at him i mean you will unleash the beast if you thought that i took gary johnson to the woodshed over his nazi cakes imagine what i will do if if you know if i if i don't you know pull punches there just imagine when you know. Get me out there on that Senate floor. I will. I will destroy every social Democrat and their plans to control our lives and our economy. And I will make you proud because you know I know what the the fallacies are that the progressives and the the social Democrats are pushing on us. The fallacies of stimulus. The fallacies of bailouts. The fallacies are too big to fail. Of the export import banks. Their their schemes for tariffs. And uh, and the managing of international trade instead of free trade, um, and and so for me, you know, I will cut government at every turn. And even Bernie Sanders is going to be like, oh gosh, I guess I can afford to buy a fourth house, you know. <laughs> um, would would you ever uh, try to make an effort to abolish the um, the income tax? Um, easier said than try- done. I understand. Yeah, easier said than done. Yeah, sure. I would. Li- yeah, totally. I would absolutely love to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am curious about probably one of your more um, controversial stances among libertarians, um, but I, I I find that it's it's gained you a lot of support among conservatives, and that is that you are a a pro life libertarian. Um, yeah. Don't kill the don't kill the babies. <laughs> yeah. Crazy crazy idea. Yeah. Um, ought to ought to be pretty straightforward. Right. Um, so, how how do you? Uh, I, I know you've spoken about this before, but I just I just want to you know get it on the record here. Um, how how do you balance the the two philosophies? Because even though a lot of the leaders in the libertarian movement tend to be very pro life, a lot of people within the movement are not. And 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 you take you you obviously take a pro life side. So I'm curious on on how you made that. Uh, evolution and, and how you and you uh, how you uh, make make that bridge for people. Um, well, uh, I would say, uh, is there anything in the you know, whole libertarian philosophy about personal responsibility? Mm-hmm. I thought that's what we were all about. Um, where's that at in the whole like libertarian philosophy? You know, nobody has the guts to say that they don't because because the most politically inter- incorrect sentiment that you can ever express. Is that people ought to be personally responsible? Um, we have this thing called birth control. Um, we have these things called prophylactics. Um, you know, we we've got quite a few op- options. Um, and you know what? I mean, I'm I'm very much against the war on drugs. So let's legalize birth control over the counter. Then you can take um, you know you can take uh, uh, 
you know, your, your cycles in your own hands. I mean, that's the thing. But I mean, the question, I, the problem that I see so much is that they dehumanize the unborn. You know, they, they right. say that it's not a, it's not a human being. It, it absolutely is a human being. And it, do all humans deserve the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Um, so yeah, they do. Absolutely. Right. Um, so you just, you just mentioned you're completely against the war on drugs. And I'm I'm curious what what kind of efforts you would do in on that front um, to to try to yeah. change things and reform things. Uh, well, we could talk about mandatory minimums. I mean, here's a constitutional Start. conservative issue. Yeah, if, if, if there was ever a, a, an issue that conservatives need, you know, should start to should remind themselves if they are strict constructionists, well, then, hey, you know, we've taken away the power of the judicial branch. We said we don't trust judges. Uh, and we're and the legislators who never will ever see these criminals or come into contact with them, who write the laws that are putting these people in jail. They're saying, oh well, you know, you judges, you we you see the the, the criminals every single day, but we we know better than you. So we'll write a law to take your power and force you to make a decision that may or may not be in the best interest uh, of the of the, the the convict. And so, to me, I think we need to get back to that strict viewpoint of. You know, let's re- let's restore checks and balances. Uh, let's let's get back to what the original intent was. And when you're using that terminology and that phraseology, um, rather than what the leftists use when they talk about the war on drugs, um, then I think it's a little bit more popular. So you know, messaging it that way. Uh, is, a, is a much better way, I think, for conservatives. And, you know, I'll champion that issue. I have my own opinions on, on how drugs should be regulated or not regulated. Um, but uh, I do think that uh, it ought to be a state issue at least. And uh, I would say that, um, you know, ending the federal law on drugs would be a good first step. Um, so so how often do you think you would <laughs> duke it out with uh, with uh, Jeff Sessions? You just talked about <laughs> duking it out with Bernie and, and uh, Elizabeth Warren. Um, yeah. But on the other side of the coin, you have, you know, obviously Jeff Sessions and the in the drug warriors. Yeah, not not a fan. Um, I would say that uh, you know Rand Paul stood up to Jeff Sessions uh, on this issue, and um, so I mean that's I absolutely will. You know, like I said, I will support anyone when they're right and no one when they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, what what's been the biggest the biggest hurdle to get over in in trying to convince Republicans to uh, support your candidacy? Well, right now, I think, you know, it is immigration, obviously, because, I mean, historically, the Republican Party has been more pro-immigration. I mean, uh, I think Ronald Reagan was actually, like, you know, fighting with George Bush over who could be more open borders. And, and so, you know, being, you know, coming from the more Reagan wing of the party there in that sense, I, you know, I, I'm not an open borders guy, but I think that, uh, you, know, you, you, you know, is Ronald Reagan not a good Republican? I mean, he right. certainly, right. So that's the thing is that, you know, we've, we've, we've polarized this debate and, uh, you know why? Because you, you get a lot of power. You know what, if I really wanted to win, Caleb, this is what I, what I would do. Sometimes I like to fantasize about what I would do if I just wanted to win, if I only cared about winning, and winning was all that mattered. No principles I would or just, nothing like that. None, none. I would yeah. just lie and lie lie. I would just say, <laughs> the Mexicans are going to take your jobs, and it's going to be, you know, the free trade is killing this country, and we got to raise the minimum wage, and, and we've got to build the wall because that's going to solve the problem. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think about that sometimes and, and it's like, eh, you know, but you know what happened the other day I did a, an ask me anything with, um, 
uh, with uh, Trump supporters, and mm-hmm. um, and uh, they were you know upset with me about the wall, and uh, you know they I tried to explain to them you know because they're like well do you want to build a wall and I was I made a joke I was like I'd like to build a big beautiful wall around the welfare state and make Bernie Sanders pay for it, <laughs> uh, and of course they're like oh ha 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 but no really do you want to build a wall and I just right. go do, and then I answer with a question I go do I want a massive FDR style public works program on the southern border so I can raise taxes and steal land from Republicans in Texas? No. Right. Um, so, you know, when you when you put it that way, then it matters. But you know what? They're like, oh, well, you know, it's not our land that you're stealing. And that's that seems to be the sentiment from people. But uh, you know what? I'm fighting for everybody's rights. Every single damn American from sea to shining sea. I'm fighting for all of your liberties all of the time. And I will not back down. I will not retreat. I will not succumb to pressure. Uh, and I hope that the, that the pe- good people of Missouri will send me to Washington because they know that I have good judgment and that I have this country's best interest at heart because I absolutely do uh, because if but if you want somebody who'll lie to you if you want somebody who's gonna tell you what you want to hear all the time you, you have to understand you're never gonna agree with somebody hundred percent never right. but if you want somebody who's gonna really drain actually actually drain the swamp if you want somebody who's actually gonna make America great again if you want somebody who's actually gonna cut government and kick the establishment out of the seats of power and throw the the ring of power into Mount Doom where it belongs and return it to the you know, the power of the people then Austin Peterson is your guy. Uh, otherwise, if you want the the same old crap you've been getting, vote for the same old Republican. Vote for you know, or vote for Claire McCaskill. Uh, you can have more of the same, but if you want more liberty, and I know it's scary. I mean, freedom is scary. It's dangerous as hell. But uh, quite frankly, I prefer it to the alternative, and uh, I hope that I can convince my my fellow Missourians that uh, that uh, the same. Has has immigration um, been easier to try to convince conservatives? to vote for you get over that hurdle than um, being pro-life in the Libertarian Party? Uh, it's a good question. Yeah, I mean, it's all balance, right? So it's like, it's, you know, some people are single-issue voters. You know, right. some people are single-issue on the pro-life issue. Some people are single-issue on the immigration issue. Some people are single-issue on this or that. But I think mo- a lot of people, what they, you know, um, the voters, the problem is is that they vote based on fear. And to kind of back to what I was saying earlier about if I really, really wanted to get elected, I would terrorize the absolute hell out of everybody. I'd find <laughs> every boogeyman I could under every rock and point it on people and say, here you go, here's... Here's the evil, you know, uh, here's the boogeyman, boogity boogie boo, right? Or I would play like the Wizard of Oz in some, you know, in the storybook and say, I am the great and powerful Wizard of Oz and, you know, fear me or I will save you from from this disaster, you know, terrorism and Muslims and all of this because, you know, fear sells. Fear absolutely sells. I mean, if you've ever read The Prince and Machiavelli, mm-hmm. um, he's, you know, he writes that uh, fear and, and is a much more powerful motivator than love. Because, um, you know, I've had people who have loved me one day and the next day they're stabbing me in the back and posting screenshots and they're, <laughs> they're my worst enemies. But the people who but the people who are afraid of me, the people who know that I can, um, you know, if I if I were to turn the, the full power of my army of ninjas on them, they they those people the, they will probably never mess with me. They go and they hide, they, you know, and stuff like that. It's a sad, sad state uh, of the of the psyche of, of the people of the United States because you know, it was rough fearless, you know, drunken pirates and sailors and 
mercenaries and and privateers and and revolutionaries and with that that said bad words and and you know probably you know went to houses of ill repute on the weekends <laughs> that won that won the American War of Revolution. I mean, I would encourage your listeners if they're looking for a good book recommendation that will challenge everything they've ever read about American history to the absolute core. If you if you and especially if you consider yourself a social conservative, I would I would I would pose a book. It's called um, the uh, every. It's like everything you've ever known about the American Revolution. Let's see. It's uh, it, let's see. It's a Thaddeus Russell book. Uh, let me see. I'm just pulling it up right now. Um, the the American history. Everything you know about American history. Oh God. Let's see. I'm pulling. I'll have it in two seconds. Oh yeah. <laughs> history of the United States. Um, and let, let me just read the brief description to you. I don't want to take up too much time, but it's such a great book. The provocative perspective on America's history claims that the country's personality was defined not by the ideals of the elites and the intellectuals, but by those who throughout have lived on the fringes of society's history, slaves, immigrants, gangsters, and others who challenge the conventions of their day. It's raucous and profane. Uh, it turns the myths of the American character on its heads with a wit- mix of wit, scholarship, and storytelling. Thassel um, says the impulse and the degraded from the fringes of society and their subversive lifestyles, which basically legitimized old taboos and really made America the land of the free, right? And so, if you know, think about it. All of the people who were breaking the laws that in the last years, whether they were bootleggers, you know, or prohibition, anti-prohibitionists, rum runners, and things like that, um, you know, the did they not pioneer the freedoms that we enjoy today? Because I mean, freaking a, you know, by our by modern moral standards, the people who broke the law at that time, who were breaking the moral standards at that time, pioneered the freedoms that we enjoy today. To be able to go down after work today, I'm going to go to the Boulevard Brew House. I'm going to enjoy some fine Kansas City beer. <laughs> and if it weren't for those lawbreakers, quote unquote, then would we really be as free as we are today? I don't think so. Can you uh, say that book again one more time? Yeah, Renegade History of the United States. It's raucous and profane. And it, again, the guy who wrote it's not really a libertarian. He's more of a kind of a lefty-tarian. Um, but, and his definition of freedom is actually more in line closer to what FDR's definition of, right? Like the chicken in every pot. Um, so it, but, but the way that he challenges libertarian definitions of freedom, I enjoy because I actually like to challenge my beliefs. I'm not a sure. dogmatic person. I'm, I'm much more of the type of person who says, you know, prove me wrong because I, it, obviously nobody likes to be proved wrong, but I kind of do because even though like my ego takes a hit, I learn something. And I, quite frankly, I like to always be learning and I have an open mind and I always want to be able to change my opinions if evidence conflicts with what I believe, but that's not most human nature. Everybody else is trying to confirm their biases. So, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. Uh, it's difficult to free fools from the chains that they revere, um, you know, ripping off Voltaire. Uh, right. But, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, uh, it, to me, running for office is not just about, you know, the, the grand victory on the battlefield, which I'm definitely pushing for, but I'm gonna take the liberty movement forward. Two more steps, I got two years, to spread as much liberty as possible, and if at the end of it, you know, I win, then I'll spread liberty. As, I mean, at the from the highest peak almost, and uh, in, in, in from Washington D.C. But if I don't, for some reason, if Missouri is like, well, it's a little too much freedom for me, um, then no matter what, it, it's like what Ron Paul said. He said, he said, speak, speak out, speak loudly, because they can't unhear what we have to say. So you know, after you know, after two years of battle with you know, with progressive Republicans and progressive Democrats, 
um, I, you know, the liberty movement will be better off, and maybe I can hand the torch off to somebody who can do an even better job than I can. Hope I can. Hope I can. Um, what founding father has influenced you the most? Well, my, the, the un, it's an unofficial founding father. Um, when, when we think founding fathers, we think um, we think uh, people who signed the Declaration of Independence. But mm-hmm. my my favorite, the one who is the most in line, the one who I trace back my um, uh, ideological lineage to, the most uh, the the closest to my to my um, uh, thought process would be Thomas Paine. Um, and yes, he's you know, and again, you never agree with someone uh, an, entirely, right? And, but, you know, like some libertarians of their day, and I, I listen, let me just say here, I don't agree with this. He actually was the guy who introduced the concept of a guaranteed basic minimum income, right, the UBI, which some libertarians today are saying this would be better than the current welfare state, right? Sure. And I'm just like, no, no, we, this is all more government. I don't agree with him on that. But he was the guy who inspired the rebels of 1776. He authored, um, you know, two of the most influential pamphlets like Common Sense and the American Crisis. He wrote The Rights of Man. He wrote The Age of Reason. He even criticized George Washington. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was, he was influential in the, uh, in the French Revolution. Um, he was an enemy uh, to the, of, the, of Robespierre. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he was he – uh, uh, um, Edmund Burke. I mean, the guy was really, uh, was really an, <laughs> an interesting guy. He was pr- pretty much like a typical libertarian, you know, throwing spears at the guys who's who the best, the, the best friends of liberty that we had, George Washington and and Edmund Burke. You know, he's like, yeah, you're, but you're not libertarian enough, bro. You're not a real libertarian, George, <laughs> and you're not a real libertarian, Edmund Burke. So Thomas Burke, Thomas Paine was like the the, the neck bearded basement dweller, you know, blogger of his day. Um, he probably would have vaped and worn a fedora if he lived today. You think he would have danced naked on stage? No, but <laughs> you know, no, he's he wasn't like nuts. Um, that, that <laughs> you know, that's that's not uh, in his thing. But you know, it was funny. He was actually a corset maker, so hey, he was a journalist, a corset maker, and a propagandist. But dude, I mean, I, I would actually like to get into the corporate corset maker business myself. I can see myself uh, taking quite a bit of interest in corsets. So um, you know, if this whole uh, being a senator thing doesn't work out, maybe I'll go sell uh, ladies' corsets and uh, really be following the footsteps of Thomas Paine. There you go. Um, so you already mentioned one book uh, that you recommended. What one book, though? I'm curious, has had the most influence um, in your life? Mm. That's a really good question. Um, I don't think anybody's ever asked me that question that way. They say, what books do you like today? What books by certain politicians have you liked? I think this is going to really shock some people, but I I think probably the Bible. Um, and a lot of people know that, um, that you know, at a young age, I, I sort of abandoned my faith. But um, I, I, I know, I've read the Bible so many times because I actually take quite a bit of um, ethics and morality from it. Of course, not 100%. Nobody does. You know, there's quite a few things in there that we don't apply to our, our modern law system because, it, you know, it's, you know, you stone a rebellious son, right? We don't do that. Right. That's like ISIS stuff. But, um, <laughs> but, but, the, but the, you don't know, you cannot understand the history of Western civilization without a thorough understanding of, of certain at least some books of the Bible. Um, and so probably that one because it, it, it was my first uh, contact with, um, morality and ethics it was the first time that i ever uh came into contact with a philosophy right like uh, proverbs proverbs is 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 in many ways a, a book of of like maxims and of and of ethics and morality and ways to live your life and 
And, um, you know, again, so probably that one had the most because it was the one that, that this is, gosh, I'm probably revealing too much and this is going to make sure I never get elected. But, I mean, I was always really kind of bored in church, right? Because the sermons would always be repeats of the same stories and you would hear them year in and year out. And, um and so at a certain point, I was kind of like, I mean, I love to read, and I would sometimes sneak, like, different books into church because I was just read, read, read. It wouldn't matter what it was. I just would read, read, read. And um, and so eventually, they, you know, they caught on to the fact that I was, like, sneaking books in and, you know, reading all these books and that had nothing to do with church. And so, so I was kind of, you know, upset. So I was like, well, the only book I can read now is the Bible. So I just, I committed myself to just reading it, and I read it once, I read it twice, I read it three times. And then I read it the fourth time, and then I read it the fifth time. And by the time I was 17 years old, um, I, I read it the sixth time and closed it and said, okay, I, I feel like I've gotten everything that I need from this. And, um, and uh, after that, you know, my mother had passed away from, you know, a horrible disease of cancer, and she was uh, unfortunately victimized by a pharmacist who diluted her, her chemotherapy drugs, which was a very traumatic experience at a young age. And, you know, it started to make me question the origins of evil um, and, uh, and uh but I would say that yeah, that, that was an, uh, probably the most imp- the most influential book um, in in my life because of how it shaped and formed my knowledge of Western civilization and and of the culture and ethics of I mean you, you, America is a Christian nation, um, not not uh, not by decree, not by fiat, uh, but America is a Christian nation by but culture. Culture, yeah. Yes, and so um, you know, and and I think Jesus is a wonderful guy. Actually, I, I I can say I can say that I love Jesus because I think that he really I I really wish more people you know would behave like Jesus and and take his principles and teachings to heart because he had so many wonderful things to say about loving your fellow man and and he he got rid of the old law which was eye for an eye and said love your neighbor do unto others as you'd have them do unto you I mean Jesus was kind of the first libertarian. <laughs> so, uh, so I guess I would say the Bible is as shocking and as offensive as that might be to some people who who might hear it coming from my lips. Um, I well, I'll, I'll just say that's the truth. That's great. Um, one more uh, one more thing before we start to wrap up. What message would if you could just give one message throughout the rest of your campaign and just stick with that one message? What would you want people to hear? Oh, wow, you really ask good questions. <laughs> this, is good. this is very good. Um, and most people are like, "Well, what would you do about taxes? What would you do about this?" And do one thing. Well, we've already gone like, through all that. Now, yeah, I, well, you know, now I want to get yeah. to the to the more uh, yeah. you know the, the the thinking behind you know the the personality, the the guy who sings and and uh, live yeah. streams all the time. <laughs> I would say that the that the that that Americans need to trust and believe that in in the foundational ideas that this country was was born out of that we that right now i feel as if we are fearful uh that we are and and a fearful people are easily controlled politicians want to segregate us and divide us right and it used to be that uh, the democrats were like oh man we got to fight segregation brown versus the board of education blah 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 and now the, it's like the democrats are fighting to resegregate and and I just want I, I would like us to be the United States, right? I would like us to 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 all you know to to push forward 
with the, the foundational principle of liberty. But it, it is it, the truth is is that because it is dangerous, freedom is very very dangerous. Sure. It, I think we we we've given it up. We've given it up because we we this false sense of security, and and I just I'm I'm I am truly afraid that we may never get back to that. That that um, that the country will continue to tear itself apart. It will continue to factionalize, and that the strength that we gain in numbers, like the um, you know the. Uh, what is the, the, the they call it the fascists, right? The, the sticks, the bundle of sticks tied together, that that will fall apart. I think, I think some people and even some libertarians think, oh, well, that's a good thing. Let's just break it all up. Let's just destroy this experiment. But I, I really take a lot of inspiration from Thomas Jefferson and, and the concept of an empire of liberty. I mean, the idea that we can travel safely from California to New York City uh, you know, with no checkpoints, you know, nothing, you know, dividing us, you know, a common, a common language, a common culture, a, a, a of liberty, and of freedom and a free trade. And, and that to me is what I really want to strengthen. And, and I think that the concept of union is a good concept. I, 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 I don't really sympathize with the sort of the, the Confederate um, uh, wing of the of the liberty movement, and there's quite a few of them that are very hostile at me because of that. But, right. but I, I I actually agree, and and this again, this will get me in trouble again because you know I, I'm not a an, um, dogma kind of a guy. But um, the the I, the argument that Alexander Hamilton made in the Federalist Papers for union was that if the states were broken up into confederacies, that they would be more want to go to war with one another because you're always more w- willing to go to war with another country than you are with your own people. A civil war has only happened once in our in our in our history, and and when we got it over with, we were all glad it was done. And Reconstruction was difficult, but we still we got through it. And I, I just see America as a beautiful singular nation tied together with a the, the but what we are tied together is a, is with a this common thread of of freedom, and I you know. Again, you know, the topic of secession aside, I, I just really think that we are so we are cowed, we are divided. In many ways, we are a nation of sheep. We are we are buying it. We're drinking the Kool Aid that we're getting from the mainstream media, from these big corporations that don't have our best interests at heart because they and they don't support capitalism and free trade because they know that it means that the little guy will compete and that they 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 are terrified that the secret will get out that if we have too much freedom that the that the wealth and the power will change hands rapidly as it does in a free society. So if you truly want power to go to the people, we have got to work together, trust one another, stop blaming outsiders or others, or and, and look towards a, a future, a unified future, um, you know, based in this, on, on this principle of liberty. Uh, you know, one nation, you know, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. And I, I really believe in those concepts. And that's why you know, again, I'm, I'm, I consider myself a constitutional minarchist. I believe in the American experiment. I believe in, in, in a, a government of limited, divided powers, checks and balances. And I think that if we hold to that, that America will last for a thousand years. May it last for a thousand years. And um, so I, I guess that's a very long, long way to explain a concept of what I want to communicate. And I will do so only in this series of bumper stickers when in debates. But and on television, but but to me, my, that is my guiding principle: is the is the American concept of liberty, which is one of individualism, and you know, again, liberty and justice for all. Um, Austin, thank you for for joining us uh, today. I I thoroughly enjoyed this. Where can people go to um, 
to get involved and to donate to find out more about your campaign and then where can they find you on social media yes please donate because we have everything we need uh except for about 1.4 million dollars so um <laughs> uh, obviously if anybody out there has a million and a half dollars then please send it our way you can go to austinforsenate.com um and glenn beck uh, our, our homeboy where the first time we met he told yes, me yes. uh you, you, have, you have to say it three times. So austinforsenate.com, that's the second time. Uh, and the third time I will say austinforsenate.com. Please sign up to volunteer, uh, make a donation. Actually, today we just started a brand new promotion. You can go to our website for free. If you go to my Facebook page, you can see it. It's uh, You can get a free bumper sticker, and um, it's a Fire Claire bumper sticker. So uh, go get your bumper sticker. Help me to Fire Claire. Nice. Let's, uh, re- let's replace a progressive Democrat with a very libertarian Republican. Austin and I met under our, our both of our hatred for Woodrow Wilson. So if that gives you any context. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we, felt, we, we fell in love with our shared hatred, yes. <laughs> exactly. I was wearing a t-shirt that said, I hate Woodrow Wilson, and he, he had to stop me to take a picture of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, that picture is still on Facebook, by the way. So. Oh, is it? That's great. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you, Austin. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, uh, please subscribe to us on iTunes, ladies and gentlemen, so that you will never miss an episode or an update. Uh, rate and review us. Give us a little five star if you love what we're doing. Uh, follow me at Caleb Franz on Twitter, and then of course follow the show at Mill Liberty. Uh, and until next week, we'll see you.